Oakley and Knights play out a 118-minute draw. South Melbourne keep their unbeaten streak alive. The NPLW Round 1 kicks off. Cup draws that excite and delight. And we get mad at Heidelberg. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Match Week 7 of the Semi-Pro Potty. Well, 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 we are here for another week. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Semi-Pro Potty. I'm your host, William Chambers, and I'm joined this week and every week by my friend Branson Gibson, whose luscious locks are dominating my screen tonight. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, William. I'm uh, very excited to be here. Uh, I have got my hair out, uh, so that's 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 a fun revelation for tonight. First time this season, I guess, mate. Yeah, it's uh, you're looking more and more Orlando bloomish by the day now. Wow. One thing that does bloom on this podcast is the kit bag segment. Let's not beat around the bush, Branson. What have you got on this week? I'm wearing a banger, mate. I am wearing an eBay special, a lockdown eBay special. It is a Central 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 Coast Mariners kit uh, from their barcode era. So it's got like the funky blue and yellow stripes and then the weird half barcode. Um, yeah. Pretty average kit in my opinion, but I mean, it's the Mariners, so why not? I think they can get away with it. Um, if it was anyone else, I'd hate it, but it's the Mariners, so I love it. And then on the back, I have a special edition, number 95 for the Mariners, Usain Bolt on the back. Oh, that's disgusting. Disgusting. I think like, it's great. It, no, it's, uh, it's great for all the wrong reasons. Um, iconic. Yeah. Undeniably iconic. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. And that was an eBay purchase. So it someone. Was. So did did can you answer this question? Has the value of that kit appreciated? Now that I've worn it, absolutely. No, absolutely not that. <laughs> did did you spend more money? Did you spend more than $120 on it? No. Good. No, this no, I think this one cost me this was actually pretty cheap. This was only about 35 bucks. That is absolutely the right amount of money to pay for that. Very proud of you, Branson. Well done. Thank you, mate. Um, mate, Kipag, you've got a very topical. I've got a topical uh, one for two. Two reasons. Topical for two reasons. One, it's fucking cold in Melbourne at the moment. So I'm wearing a scarf this week. Um, and I've gone South Melbourne. Um, big South Melbourne news in the pod this week in terms of a FFA Cup draw. Uh, they're in the... They're at the top of the league. They're just flying yep. high. Thought I'd wear a yep. South Melbourne scarf well, for the pod. I'm just thinking about it. The Mariners are also on top of the league. So we have a very hey. top, top-ical... Kit bag segment this week. Branson Gibson. Oh. I think this is the best start to a pod we've ever Ooh. had. So oh, yeah. let's do it. We don't have any reviews this week, so we can just bypass that section. But if you do want to give us a review on iTunes or wherever else you can leave reviews, I'm pretty sure anywhere but Spotify, please do. We love to hear from you. Um, Branson, we also love to talk about football. Mm-hmm. Let me take you on a journey. Please do. Because I, this week, watched Oakley Cannons 2, Melbourne Knights 2. Which you might be thinking, that's an exciting game already. This was the longest game in NPL history. And we are big fans of record-breaking fixtures. So let's jump into it. All of the drama aside, great game of football. Um, Knights actually started really strong created probably the best chances of the opening half, uh, which we're starting to expect from Knights. Not so much fast starters, but just playing well. They were really impressive. 
Very tidy free kick from James McGarry in the 19th minute opened up the scoring. Uh, so the Knights 1-0 up. And it was a really open, expansive half. Um, both teams probably losing possession a little bit more than I'd say the coaches would have liked. But, hey, made for entertaining football. Um, then second half ticked over. Chris Taylor must have absolutely got Oakley fired up because they drew a level five minutes in. Third tail would bring them on level terms. And then in the 60th minute, bracking chip cross and or shot from Fashini would give Oakley the lead. It's definitely one of those ones that's floated into the back post, but it's kind of got a bit of venom to it. So it kind of is one, three, or all of the options there. Um, and in the 67th minute, shot was blocked. No VAR, so we don't even need it, which allowed Melbourne Knights to step up to the penalty spot. Scored, and this game was already on fire for entertainment value, but in the 80th minute, streams went down. Apparently, there was an incident. Treatment was needed for one of the camera operators. Play restarted Branson a whopping 23 minutes later in the 103rd minute. Um, And after this, the best chances probably came to Oakley. So we're still at 2-2 here. We're into 103 minutes. Um, There was also a smattering of yellow cards, which I quite liked. And my God, the game ended at 118 minutes as a 2-2 draw between Oakley Knights, uh, Oakley Knights, Oakley Cannons and Melbourne Knights. And there was just a lot to talk about this one, Bran. Longest game in NPL history in terms of the league. Knights have only scored two points out of their last possible nine. Um, and Oakley are unbeaten in their last five. So it's all looking rosy. What did you have to think about this one, Bran? There was a lot in here. Yeah, a lot to unpack. I thought it was a cracking game as well. I thought as far as a football spectacle goes, it was fantastic. I thought there were periods where both teams looked really, really good, um, which is a positive for both sides, I guess. A draw in the end, probably a fair result. I thought Oakley looked more likely to get a winner. Um, just quickly on the on the delay, though, while we do love that this was the longest game in NPL Victoria history, the circumstances, a little bit unfortunate in, in the sense that uh, I believe it was a photographer who collapsed uh, had to go to hospital, had to wait for an ambulance. That's what caused the delay. Apparently, he's all right, though, so that is fantastic news. But uh, I think we said way, 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 way back in our first ever episode, mate, that we wanted to see the latest ever goal in the NPL. So we had a shot at it this week. Uh, didn't quite happen, but uh, cracking game of football. Uh, it's really good to see two top teams going toe-to-toe, mate. Yeah, absolute ripper. And, you know, it probably speaks to the round where there are a lot of goals. So if you bought your match day ticket for this, you saw four goals and you had 118 minutes of football. That's probably the highest value (laughs) per dollar ticket for an MPL game this season. So, Bran, take us through the next one. You had a look at Green Gully, South Melbourne. Yes, I did indeed. This was uh, another big win for South Melbourne and another great game. I thought over overall, uh, chances were evenly split between the two sides for the most part. It was quite an even game. Uh, there were a number of good shots and a number of good saves for, for both teams. Jerry Salados probably had the best chance of the first half after a quick counterattack right on the stroke of halftime but couldn't get his shot on target. There was more attacking football in the second half. Alex Salmon, though, he had a golden chance to give Green Gully the lead with about 15 minutes to go. There was a cross put in. 
ball found its way to him at the back post, went for the header, and it just went wide. Uh, you would have backed him to score that, I'd say, more than nine times out of ten, not quite ten, 9.9 times out of ten. Uh Anyway, uh, Gully made to pay just minutes later. There was some lovely build-up play from Salidos and Sawyer. That put Marcus Schroen through on goal, and he made mo- no mistake, gave South Melbourne the lead in the 83rd minute. Uh, Salmon had another shot in stoppage time too, but this one was blocked off the line. Overall, mate, uh, a win for South Melbourne. They were able to hold on and secure all three points. Second late win in a row. Uh, we were talking last week and we said that uh, after their late winner against the Thunder that this South side feels, you know, a little bit different than in previous seasons, 2019. This was the kind of game that would get away from them. They'd end up drawing and then they'd look back and go, geez, that was a real missed opportunity. But once again, we've seen them be able to go on and find that go-ahead and game-winning goal, which I think is fantastic for them. Uh, same thing again this week. Uh, they scored, funnily enough, in the exact same minute, the 83rd minute, as they did, uh, uh, sorry, against Thunder and Green Gully. So uh, apparently that's lucky for them. Overall, though, mate, uh, the Lakesiders, undefeated. Stay undefeated. Stay on top of the table. Uh, an impressive win against a good side, I thought. It was South's third win in a row, too. Uh, for Green Gully, very quickly, I thought they did enough to deserve a point. I thought they had some good chances. Alex Salmon uh, and Nick Georgopoulos had good chances. Uh, Jared Tyson as well. I thought he was really good in goals, made some good saves as well. Uh, but in the end, for Gully, they just couldn't really capitalize. So good win for South. Unlucky for Gully. Uh, positives still, though, for them to take away from it, mate. Yeah, no, it was a, one of those ones where I think it was a South Melbourne performance a couple of years ago where they definitely wouldn't have walked away with three points. So the reason that they're top of the table at the moment for mine is that they are far more potent going forward and they're also quite tight at the back. They are hard to break down this season. So they're very much deserving of that three-win three run streak. Sure, let's go with that. Yeah, and um, also, sorry, one very, very quick thing that you just touched on there, hard to break down. They've only conceded three goals all season, yep. which is yeah, which is by far the fewest in the league, which is fantastic for them. Yeah, love that for them. Um, now, I didn't love this fixture for us when we said it in the preview section of the pod last week. I thought this was going to be a shocker. The Battle of the Cellar Dwellers, Altona versus Dandy City. Brand, this actually turned out to be a ripper game of football. It was. Uh, lots of the line, sorry, lots on the line in this one. 13th going up against 14th. It's hard to say it's a must win for both teams, but it really was. And then the end result was a two all draw. So must win for both and neither of them did. So, uh, I mean, we just sort of love that. Anyway, Dandy City took a lead, uh, took the lead in the first half, sorry, thanks to a nice strike from Gavin Denise. Uh, City doubled would their you lead. Say it was, would you say it was Gavin Denise strike? I would say it was very Gavin Denise, actually, because it was a, uh, it was a curling effort from outside the box. Beautiful, uh, top corner. Very nice. Uh, what did we say? Gavin Denise. Yes. So very happy with that. Uh, Dandy City, though, doubled their lead early in the second half through Nicholas Dib. It looked for all money like Dandy City were going to go on and not only get their first win of the season, but also move off the bottom of the table. But Altona said 
not so fast. Harrison Reeves scored for the Magic in the 87th minute before John McShane equalised deep into stoppage time to salvage a point for the Magic. Uh, The result really kind of does nothing for both teams. They both remain winless overall, mate. I thought Danny City would have to be the more disappointed of the two sides here. I mean, they were 2-0 up in the 85th minute, and then to not go on and win the game, they'd be very disappointed with that to concede two late goals like that. Uh, On the flip side for Altona, it's sort of a positive in a way because they were able to come from behind like that. But also, if they can't beat the bottom play side in Dandy City at home, uh, then there's something worrying about that too. I think like if you can't beat the team who's on the bottom, who are you going to beat? So can't see a win coming for them in the near future. And yeah, well, obviously, you know, the match was a draw, but neither side is a winner here from this result overall, mate. No, it's all relative, and if you're at the bottom of the table and you share points, then neither of you move anywhere. So congratulations, Altona and Dandy City, for making what we thought would be a boring draw, quite an entertaining draw. Um, But not a draw in this one, Bran. I had a look at Hume City versus Port Melbourne, and look, to be honest with you, most of the games this week started with a bit of a flurry, but this was a good first half, which didn't result in too many shots on target. Um. But I will say that both teams had Endeavour and looked up for it, which is always positive to see from Port Melbourne because if they, you'll know in the first 15 minutes if it's a on-form Port Melbourne or an out-of-form Port Melbourne. So we had a game on our hands here. Um, Hume looked sharp uh, and they would open the scoring through a nice bit of wide play, cross in hit, cross the face of goal, tapped home by a sliding Bingham to put Hume in the lead. Um, and that was the first half, 1-0 to Hume. Um, both Hume and Port would have great chance, but the real drama in this one comes very late. 90th minute, Port Melbourne hit the bar, and then moments later, ball gets cleared up, up the field, an absolute goalkeeping howler in the rain from Withers, sees him come out of his box, completely runs under the bouncing long ball. Delich continues his run, checks back, puts it in the back of the net, a little bit of a deflection, but still a tidy finish. And 1-1, what could have been 1-1, quickly turns into 2-0 to Hume. Heartbreak for the for the Sharks. But Sharks didn't give up. And a couple of minutes later, Liston Diaz blasts one in to give the Sharks nothing but a consolation goal. But, oh, could it have been so much more? Uh, that, that crossbar hit in the 90th minute to make it 1-1 that gets denied. And then two minutes later, you're 2-0 down. And even then, that consolation goal could have meant something if they had, if that one had hit the crossfire had gone in. So, look, three points to Hume, but I think they flatter Hume because Port were actually quite good in this game and were probably unlucky. But, man, if we started to recount league points based on how close teams were, we'd have very different league tables all around the world. So, look, credit to Hume. I think they did enough to to put this one to bed and that consolation goal and that last-ditch header was... Uh, a little bit, little bit of a scare for them, but they they come out with three points. Yeah, good win for Hume. Uh, that bounce over the goalkeeper as well. That was a bit crazy. Uh, yeah. Went and had a look at that as well. Uh, the, the weather was pretty bad. I will pay it, that. That was when we were was. getting the real wintry weather. It was. It was windy. It was rainy. It was wild. But that's just one of those classic hard in mouth moments. You go. Uh, I have a feeling that might feature later in us in a certain segment of this podcast as well, mate. What do you think? Spoilers, yeah, probably will. Um, Bran, tell us about Danny Thunderson Albans. 
Well, this was a very exciting game. It was a 1-0 win for the Dandenong Thunder, getting the goods over St. Albans. Plenty of action in the first half. St. Albans keeper Matthew Sesto made a couple of acrobatic saves in the first half to keep a pair of long-range Thunder strikes out of his net. Uh, Overall, though, Dandenong had the best of the chances in the first half. That trend continued in the second half as well. Substitute Paul Kowal gave Dandenong the lead in the 63rd minute. Not too shabby of a celebration either. A couple of uh, cartwheels and a backflip. Kind of not sure how the Thunder didn't score more, really, though. I thought they had far, well, more than one goal in them. They had plenty of of great chances to put the ball in the back of the net, even after they took the lead. Kowal had a great one-on-one chance that was saved. And then Rowan Garney had a goal-bound shot cleared off the line too. Well done to St. Albans for scrambling that one away. But in the end, mate, one goal was enough for Dandenong. Uh, claimed a thoroughly deserved win, in my opinion. And the win for Dandenong sees them jump into that mid-table pack. That sort of mid-table section is quite condensed, but that win... For Dandenong sees them sort of join in there, and so they're not sort of not too isolated down the bottom. On the flip side, though, St. Albans, they had a couple of chances. Like in the first 10 minutes, they had two headers uh, that almost went in. But apart from that, they didn't have much in the way of clear-cut chances, I didn't think. Uh, for the Saints as well, it's now four games without a win. Uh, they sit in 12th but they are also still just one win outside the top six. They are still a part of that chasing pack, but they are at the bottom of the chasing pack. So a little bit of a difficult run of form for St. Albans, but a good win for Dandenong Thunder, mate. Yeah, good win for Dandenong Thunder. Um, They're starting to put in some performances, which is really positive to see. Um, One team that is well and truly putting in performances now, and this could have been a close one, but I think... Credit where it's due. Avondale 2, Eastern Lions nil. Clinical. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely clinical uh, from Avondale. They took the lead after 15 minutes through a strike from Liam Boland. They doubled their lead 10 minutes later with another goal from Liam Boland. There was some fantastic uh, build-up playing. That one, a lovely through ball, uh, like diagonal cross from Joey Katabian in the build-up play as well. Uh, Avondale 2-0 up inside 30 minutes and from there to be honest mate the game felt like it was done and dusted uh eastern lions best and only real chance came just before half time when they were awarded a penalty george opolis though stepped up for eastern lions but he blasted the spot kick into the bar uh and that that was pretty much game over to be honest after that in the second half eastern lions didn't really put much in the way of pressure on the avondale goal Meanwhile, on the other side, Bolin almost brought up his hat-trick in spectacular fashion. He had a bicycle kick that was denied by Coulter, a great save by Coulter, actually. Uh, Yusuf Ahmed and Joey Katabian also had more chances for Avondale. I think they'd be a little bit disappointed they didn't score more than two, considering the quality of some of their chances in the second half. But, I mean, overall, pretty straightforward win from Avondale. They took the lead early. They held the Lions at arm's length the rest of the way as well. Uh, The win takes Avondale into outright second on the table as well. Uh, Difficult result for Eastern Lions, but not entirely unexpected. I thought in the end they did sort of well to not concede more than two, to not 
you know, get blown out of the water. But good result for Avondale, mate. Yeah, great result for Avondale. And I'll be honest with you, at this point, it's a great result for us, Bran. Yeah. Because we often talk about how absolutely terrible we are at tipping. Yeah. But we're now six games in to this NPL round. How many tips have we got right at this stage, Bran? Mate, mega. At this stage, we had correctly tipped all six. All six tips. Like, I could not believe it. I was... uh, Checking the football twenty four app all the all, like all Saturday as each of the results sort of came through. I'm like, yeah, we got that one, we got that one, we got that one, mate. I couldn't believe it. Six from six. There was a lot of build up and there was a lot of pressure now going into this last game. Lots on the line here. Heidelberg against Bentley. Uh, so what what did we tip for Heidelberg versus Bentley? We tipped Heidelberg to win. Okay, so we just got to make sure the Heidelberg win this game, and we are and seven from seven. And and yep. we're like, we are, do we get like? Remember when you used to get like a hat trick in um, high school cricket, and they give you the match ball or whatever, and presented assembly. Like, do we go to football Victoria, and they present us with like a something? Well, we'd go to FNR, and we would demand one because I don't yeah, think anyone. I don't, I, people have tipped six, but no one's got seven yet. We would have been. I mean, that okay. would have been perfect for the semi pro potty. Anyway, stage is set. Yeah, we needed. We needed a Heidelberg win. Heidelberg to beat Bentley, who are in like 10th. You're like, come on, Heidelberg. Yeah, and, and it didn't start right because the first 20 <laughs> minutes was absolutely dominated by a rampant Bentley. So I was packing it at this stage. So Braden Crowley uh, could have honestly had a hat trick with the number of chances he had. And I was absolutely amazed that this game was nil-nil at halftime. And I'm sitting there going, okay, if Bentley have essentially had all of their shots and haven't scored, then we're on here for a classic Heidelberg winner. Um, but... You know, I did have real faith that there would be goals in the second half. We all know that Heidelberg finished strong. And, you know, to be honest with you, probably felt like Bentley were going to score a goal. So we were up for a good second half. But hearts were broken. Bentley would score in the 53rd by Brent McGrath tucking it home at the back post. A very nice 1-0 to Bentley. And I'm distraught at this stage. But then McGrath goes and lunges in gets a yellow card in the 60th, and then absolutely loses his head. Professional foul in the 67th minute, gets sent off. That's the big thing. Bentley now down to 10. Heidelberg, strong finishes. Bentley down to 10. This could be good. And Ellis, an absolute ripper of the shot just over the bar, and I am steaming at this stage. If that one goes in, then you've got enough time to go for a second, get the win. Heidelberg would eventually score. Penalty in the 83rd. Back to parody, tucked home by Dusan Bosniak. And a late chance to Heidelberg could have made a smash and grab of three points, but alas, Heidelberg absolutely betrayed us. 1-1 draw with Bentley. In all seriousness, though, over the balance of play, I think Bentley probably could have closed this game out earlier and we wouldn't have had to have worried about it. Um, the number of chances they had in the first half, um, Brent McGrath was just a bit stupid for getting sent off. But did well to score, so he had a pretty eventful game. But Branson, well, also just we are six from seven. Oh, sorry, yeah, we are, we are, we're six from seven. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, I mean heartbreak. You're like Heidelberg. Come on, I mean we we were so close, and because it was the last game of the round that we got wrong too, the standalone fixture on Sunday, there was so much build up. Like if we'd got like you know one of the Friday nights, the first one's wrong, yeah. yeah. Yep. Or even, even you know, the Saturday Avondale game, you know, the the third one, but it was the last game. 
uh, heartbreak. Uh, very quickly, it wasn't just a busy game for him. It was busy five minutes. I think he got like his first yellow card, then scored, and then got sent off all within like a seven-minute period or something like that. He was just nuts. yeah, he was uh, he was up and about. Look, put it that way. Why why bother playing a full ninety when he could just condense it into about ten to fifteen? Um, <laughs> it's all right. Look, I'm happy with us getting six. Brand, let's have a quick look at the uh, the table though. Because we're now, I think, seven games in. And I think this is important because this gives us enough to start to see some trends emerging. Yes. So we've said it before, out on front, we've got South Melbourne on 15 points, standing clear. Following them on 14 points is Avondale. So South and Avondale at the top of the table there. On 12 points, we've got Oakley and Heidelberg United. And that's your top four rounded out. Then we've got the finals positions. Knights and Hume City, both on 11 points. So there's four points separating the finals positions. In seventh, we've got Green Gully on 10 points. And then on eight points, we have got an absolute cluster of Port Melbourne, Dandenong Thunder, Bentley Greens, Eastern Lions, and St. Albans Saints. So that's your sort of mid-table. They're going to be trying to push up for finals. And at the very bottom, we've got Altona and Dandenong City, Four points for Artona, two for Dandenong City. There's a lot of red and grey and no green ticks in those bottom two teams. So they are very much holding up the base of it. Bran, what are your thoughts on the table seven rounds in? Well, it's interesting. I I, I still think it's too early to, to read too much into it just because we can see, you know, a couple of results shift the whole dynamic, but it does give us a good insight into those trends. I think those top seven teams that we mentioned, South, Avondale, Oakley, Heidelberg, Knights, Hume and Gully, I think it will be a battle for them from to make the finals, to be honest. I think one of them is going to be the unlucky loser and drop out. That chasing pack, Port, Denny, Non-Thunder, Bentley, Easton and St. Albans, I don't see, I mean, Bentley maybe making the finals, but I think they are going to be battling it out for those sort of, you know, uh, mid-table spot. And then Altona and Danny City yet to see anything from them that suggests that they're going to do anything other than get relegated. So, I mean, it really is interesting, but we love the MPL Victoria. It is so unpredictable. We really could see this table change lots over the course of the season, and I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. What do you think, mate? Mate, I think uh, I think it's a ripper, but let's jump into it because it's not just the only league that we are now covering. Because last week we previewed it, we had the NPLW Victoria kicking off over the weekend, and you know you could probably look at some of the results and say things that were familiar. Um, I personally had a good look at the Calder United game. Uh, Calder, I'm just going to eradicate last season because last season wasn't a season didn't even exist. Um, you know, it was cancelled. So season before, they were by far runaway leaders. They were deserved grand final winners. And this game started with a bang. Alamein ended up finishing third in that last season. So this was looking like a little bit of a, a close one. A good fixture to, to start the season with. But Calder looked unchanged in their desire to be top of the pile come end of this season. Uh, it would take no longer than 11 minutes for Laura Spiranovic to score the first goal of the NPLW Victoria season, putting Calder 1-0 up. Um, but then Annabelle Haffenden would score for Alamein, making it 1-1. Absolute cracker of a goal too. Top bins header from a set-piece ball in the 17th minute. Absolutely loved it. 
Um, but from here on out, it was all colder. Um, they really are a different kind of gravy in the NPLW Victoria. Um, Julia Sado for Calder would absolutely score with an intentional goal ball to the back post that was not a mishit cross. Um, Spiranovic would score a second after a lovely turn in the penalty area. Alamein managed to save a penalty in the 43rd, which was pretty good, but Calder, 3-1 up at the break. Didn't look like it was going to be any other result than three points to Calder. And they completely dominated the second half. Fourth goal was scored by Harriet Withers. Fifth by Alexandra Sinclair. And to be honest with you, my main takeaway from watching this game was do not defend with a high line against Calder. Uh, They can get in behind you like no one else. They have got so much pace and class going forward. So, you know, not to say that I'm a coach or anything, but I probably wouldn't do that this season. I'd probably sit deep and absorb as much pressure as possible. Sound advice, mate. Sound advice. I like it. Uh, Just very quickly, we saw a couple of... uh, the NPL men's teams start off a little bit slow. You know, Heidelberg and Oakley, some of those big teams, Avondale even, yeah. big teams starting off slow. Calder said, no, nah, not interested in that. We're firing on all cylinders from round one. Yeah, to be going for goal difference in the first round is brutal. That's just brutal. Um, but there was a little bit of goal difference in this one, sort of, or at least goals scored. Brand, you had a look at Box Hill versus Bayside. Talk us through it. I did. It was a 4-2 win to Box Hill over Bayside. Cracking game. Goals galore. A little bit of seesaw action early on. Bayside took the lead thanks to a header from Sienna Fogarty. Box Hill, though, equalised right before halftime with a golazzo from Erin Kite. Shot from long range, uh, outside of the box, beautifully over the top of the keeper and then nestled in under the crossbar into the back of the net. Fantastic goal, fantastic left foot shot. Uh, the shot was so good it fooled the cameraman. Uh, they were too far behind the play and sort of missed the ball going into the back of the net. The camera person clearly was not expecting a shot uh, and then it happened and then sort of missed the ball across the back of the net. But anyway, fantastic strike from Aaron Kite, who is also part of the Emerging Matildas program. Uh, so one all at halftime. Bayside took the lead again through Rachel Strighton in the second half, but the lead only lasted two minutes. Irene Paraki tied things up once again for the Triangles. Uh, mate, the Triangles, that as well is my new nickname for Box Hill. They are... Box Hill United, but then on their badge, it says that they are Box Hill Pythagoras. And we know Pythagoras. Famous I like for his, that. Yeah. Famous, famous for his triangles. So Box Hill, the triangles. I mean, I'm sure he's famous for other things. But yeah, anyway, so I think triangles, new nickname for Box Hill. I'm going to make that one stick. Uh, after that, though, after the second goal, it was all Box Hill from there. And I, Josefsky, uh, gave Box Hill the lead before Elena. For Topolis, ice the game in stoppage time. Three points for the Triangles. A uh, good way to start the season. They did finish above Bayside in 2019, so they'd be happy with that result, mate. How chuffed are you for the sentence three points to the Triangles? I feel like it's a real like nickname for a club that you can get around. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that because I haven't heard anyone else calling the Triangles. I mean, uh, someone else might have, but uh, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, great by you. Um, we have only got one other game for the NPLW Victoria to go through because Bulleen versus South play tonight as we currently record this. Um, I had a look, though, at Heidelberg 2, 
and what was rostered to be senior NTC three, but it wasn't senior NTC, Brad. It was FV Emerging Squad, which I had to do some Googling, and I thought it was the Emerging Matildas program team. But that wouldn't make much sense if Aaron Kite is part of it. So, yeah, can you enlighten us? Pretty sure that FV Emerging is essentially more or less just a rebranding of senior senior entities. It's the same sort of academy-style setup. So I'm happy to be proven wrong, and if we are wrong, uh, let us know. But I think that it's more or less the same as what Senior NTC was. Yeah, at Branson Gibson on Twitter if we're wrong, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for that one. Um, yeah. No, I did really like this. Like, I also kind of like FV Emerging Squad as the name. It sounds yeah. like something that you would say in that segment where you tell you ask me whether or not a name for a club is fictitious or true. Yep. And FV Emerging is a badass name for a team. So happy with that. Um, so needless to say... FE emerging would be emerging with three points out of this one, Branson. Excellence. Well done. Like that. Quite good. Um, they opened the scoring through a lovely finish from Francesca Iamano in the 10th minute. Jessica Young would put them 2-0 up with a ripper finish and a nice assist came from the centre back who went on a marauding run. Um, but second half would see a response from Heidelberg. So this is a great game. FE emerging 2-0 up. Keely Lockhart with a stunning strike in off the crossbar, 2-1. And then a penalty was tucked on by Sydney Allen in the 80th to set up an absolutely cracking final stanza, 2-2. Two second-half goals from Heidelberg, two first-half goals from FV Emerging. But alas, two minutes later, Caitlin Carriage would create a yard of space in the box to curl it around, curl along the ground, pass the goalkeeper, 3-2 to FV Emerging, and this was a thoroughly entertaining game. And I'll be honest with you, some of the quality of goals out of the first round of the NPL women's, I'd say better than the goals in the first round of the men's by far. There were some mm. really class finishes in this one. That goal off of the uh, crossbar for this one was outstanding. Um, but look, FV Emerging, which is my new favourite club name, Three points to start the season. Yeah, good for them. Uh, in 2019, they only had five wins across the 27-game season. Uh, I think three of those came against Southern United, who lost every game. So good for them to start off the new season with a great result, nice. mate. And as we mentioned, Bulleen versus South is on tonight at the Veneto, I believe, Branson. Yes, indeed. Cool. Have you got any way to check the score for that one? I am. Uh, it starts at 8.15 and it is currently 8.10pm, so it is yet to kick Don't off. give away the secrets of when oh. we record this podcast. Okay, well, so uh, we're, it's nil-nil, <laughs> mate. It's nil-nil. Uh, no. We don't don't have a league table to go through, but regardless to say it, Calder are on top. Um, I would assume Box Hill would then be next, followed by Senior NTC. Oh, I'm trying to do math on the fly here. That's correct, yes. Followed by Heidelberg United, followed by Bayside United, with Alamein bringing up the rear at the moment. Of course, pending results in the Bulleen South Melbourne game. That was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. It was. Do you know what is not going to be too hard, mate? Uh, this next little segment that we're going to talk about, FFA Cup and the Nike FC Cup, mate. We love cup games. We love cup sets. Uh, the next round, next batch of fixtures are in 
And I'll tell you what, mate, I am extremely excited. There are some extremely very, 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 very tasty matchups to go through. So we are into round five of the FFA Cup. Uh, 32 teams still left, 16 fixtures. We won't read through all of them. We will just go through the NPL uh, one sides, Avondale are taking on Yarraville. Eastern Lions will face off against Mornington. South Melbourne will face off against the Melbourne Knights again. They were in the FFA Cup in uh, uh, 2019 as well, I believe. I absolutely love that my Twitter is so surrounded by NPL Victoria that I thought that this was blowing up across Twitter in Australia. And I'm like, the FFA Cup's got insane traction because every tweet I was seeing was about Knights versus South Melbourne. And it turns out I just follow lots of people who care about MPL Victoria. So <laughs> it is not representative of Australian Twitter trending. No, but that is, that is it should be, though. That's going to be a huge match. Cannot wait for that. Uh, the rest of the matchups, we've got Bentley taking on Altona North. Altona North, State League three side who beat St. Albans. Hume will take on Frankston Pines. Green Gully taking on Mill Park. Manningham United will host Port Melbourne. Another big fixture, the Oakley Cannons taking on Preston Lions. That's going to be huge. The atmosphere at that game will be insane. It is an Oakley home game, which is a little bit unfortunate, but that's still going to be mega. That's going to be a huge crowd. Preston being flying in the NPL three. Uh, the last one, Dandy City still have to play. They actually play this week against Richmond. If they win that, they will face Nunawanning City, the team who beat Heidelberg. Mate, there are also, we also have round four of the Nike FC Cup, mate. There's eight games in those. Tell me what they are, mate. Mate, we have got Sky United taking on Melbourne University Soccer Club. Uh, Bayside United will be hosting Casey Comets. Um, Preston Lions or Burundera Eagles will be facing Box Hill United. The Triangles. Um, yeah, the Triangles, the Mighty Triangles. Um, what do we call them? The Pointy Triangles. Ridiculous. Ooh, yeah. No, we don't call them that. No. Um, Knights versus Avondale. That's a big one. South Melbourne versus Moreland Zebras, Alamein versus Heidelberg United, Calder United versus Lari United, and Geelong Galaxy will be playing Bullion Lions. That last one there is going to be a cracker brand. What yes. is your pick out of those? Hard to pick one. I would say if Preston Lions get through, I'd love to see them against the Triangles. I think that would be massive as well. Uh, very quickly, Melbourne Knights taking on Avondale is going to be mega. Avondale are in State League 3. Uh, the Knights are in the second division. Avondale are the only side. So Sorry, Avondale are a fifth-tier women's side. Uh, there's no other fifth, third, or fourth-tier team left in the Nike Cup. So shout-out to Avondale. Uh, fifth tier, still battling away. And then, yeah, as you said, Geelong Galaxy against Berlin. Geelong relegated sort of to the VPL, so it'll be interesting to see how they can go against an NPL opponent, see if they can uh, say, hey, look, we should still be in that top flight. Send a message. Absolutely. And, Bran, that was our first 10-game part one episode of the semi-pro potty and i feel energized and revitalized that was a ripper we're gonna take a break though ladies and gentlemen join us back in a moment where we'll jump into part two the pretty light-hearted stuff that we go through 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to part two of the Match Day 7 episode of the Semi-Pro Potty. Let's kick it off. Without further ado, the things that we found this week in the world of football that were oh so semi-professional. Bran, what have you got for us? First one I've got was a good one that I saw on Twitter. Serbian footballer Medsal Mulic. Not sure if that's how you pronounce his name. I've done my best there. Think I've got close. Uh, he's playing in the K-League. There was a great video of him uh, scoring a goal in the K-League. Uh, goes to take his shirt off, takes his shirt off, and then as soon as he does... You can see the moment that he remembers that he's actually already on a yellow card and he's gone, oh, no, I've, I've taken my shirt off. That's an automatic booking and I'm about to be sent off. And he uh, is sent off. So it was just great because you, you can see it on his face. He's gone up like he takes his shirt off. You go, ah, oh, crap, I've, uh, I've done myself there. So I thought that was pretty good. Uh, what have you got, mate? Um, I have got pretty much a big attack on VAR. Um, oh, it, go to it. Uh, it's just, I've watched less and less Premier League since the NPL has come back on. And I just love not having to faff about VAR. And then I watched a bit of Premier League highlights over the weekend and saw two ridiculous offside decisions that slowed down the play, were nonsensical and just took all life out of the sport that I used to love. So I'm really happy that we do not have VAR in NPL Victorian football. Keep it away. It's garbage. But yeah, VAR, semi-professional in my mind. We've had it for years now and it's still shit. So put it in the bin. Bran, what have you got? Well, I've got three more that I'm going to reel through really quickly. Uh, Alessandro Diamante, great player. We love him. Uh, Fantastic personality for the A-League. He posts videos of him watching uh, sport on on his uh, social media fairly regularly. He has a TV, but he has his TV just sitting on the floor. It's not on a TV stand, which is a bit of like a poor uni student move. But, you know, it's Alessandro Diamante, and he's definitely not a poor uni student, so it's a bit of a strange one. And he replied to one of the tweets, and apparently he also sits on the floor while watching it. So he's got his TV on the floor. He sits on the floor while watching it. And then above his TV, uh, hang on, above his TV from hooks, he's got shoes hanging from hooks as well. So it's just, I mean, great Alessandro Diamante vibes. It's quite semi-professional in, you know, TV stand on the floor, but then it's very professional because he's a professional footballer, mate. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan of sitting on the floor to watch TV. It's really nice. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with him for this one. It's good. And as for having a TV on the floor, it's probably because he's got a massive TV, bruv. It does look like a large TV. Yeah. Ain't, so ain't, like, no, t- ain't no TV unit big enough to support that bad boy. Exactly. Uh, very quickly, two others that I saw that were extremely semi-professional. Uh, Fox Sports, their A-League coverage. Uh, the screen was going all weird when Barisha had his penalty against Wollongong. It sort of went into uh, two halves. It was sort of really bizarre. So that was strange. Uh, and then also pretty crappy move here. During the W League Grand Final, after the victory one, they cut to ads during the speeches from the players after the Grand Final as well, which is pretty poor form, in my opinion. I think that's like, pretty crap. I think that is extremely like a reminder that Foxtel does not care about football in Australia, in mm. particular the women's game. Um, the only thing that's really funny about that is that as you were berating Foxtel for losing the Barisha stream, your internet died. And oh, you went glitchy for that entire bit. So oh. that's just comedy gold. Yeah, so fantastic. I love that bit. So you're uh, literally ridiculing them for yeah, also, doing that. Also um, on streams, sorry, mate, we saw a bunch of them go down. Avondale, we missed a goal uh, in the NPL Classic. I don't know. It seems to be a serial right. issue, but, yeah, that's it. 
Great. Um, I've got a couple rounding it out. There was a challenge in the NPLSA that kicked off over the weekend in the Adelaide City game. I retweeted it. It's on our Twitter. It's great. Player gets tackled, gets up, throws the ball at the person who tackled him, and then everyone comes in and starts pushing and shoving and having a bit of handbag. So for mine, that's everything that's beautiful about the semi-professional game. Late challenge, overreaction, everyone gets involved. Recipe for excellent content. Um, there was another challenge that you reposted, Bran, which was Saprissa versus Philadelphia in the Major League Soccer. Just flips the shit out of someone. <laughs> ridiculous a crazy sliding chart and it was only a yellow card like if that's not a red again we've retweeted it so you can go and you can find it we should do that more often with this stuff retweet it anyway uh so you can go ahead and find it but that was just a ridiculous challenge and you're like what in the referee's mind if that's not a red card what had to be a red card but yeah uh last bit of semi professionalism for me was in the Europa League last week when the Ajax ball boy yeah. absolutely piffed the ball at Calafiori. <laughs> and the best bit, the bit that says, that's not semi-professional, that's fine, we see it happen all the time, it's kind of a bit funny, but it's the fact that Calafiori then goes to, like, goes to go to ground, realises he's not going to get a ball boy sent off. And so the referee books him for, like, play acting and it yeah. was just hilarious. Like, for simulation, I'm just like, oh, that is so good. Like, you've had a ball. Like, there's so little impact that a ball boy can have on a game. But that is absolutely He's managed to get a player yellow carded. It's brilliant. Love it. And and full credit to the ball kid or ball boy. Uh, uh, don't know how old they were, but... um. We've all been there, you know, a bit of time wasting, a bit of shithousery going on. You're like, mate, just get out. You just piff the ball and you go, fantastic. Absolutely, mate, that was semi-professional and I really, really liked it. But do you know what we can do now? We can talk about everything else that we liked. I'm going to get it started because I've got a whole bunch of things that I saw that I liked. Uh, Very quickly, some very tasty FFA Cup and Nike FC Cup fixtures as well. Very excited for that. Mitch I will Langerak. upvote that one, by the way. I'm going to upvote that one as a thing that I like as well. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Mitch Langerak, still crushing it in the J-League. He's kept his eighth straight clean sheet, which is a new J-League record. That is phenomenal. Uh, I also saw on social media, not sure if we mentioned this before, the marching band that Green Gully have at their home games, which is just, I mean, great, cool. NPL football marching band, what's not to love about that? Uh, the W League Grand Final. We haven't mentioned it yet. Uh, oh, sorry, we have mentioned it once. Uh, but what a way to end it! An Olympico in extra time to win it from Kyra Cooney Cross in the hundred and twentieth minute. Absolute scenes. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> as far as dramatic finishes goes, the finals that has to be up there. An Olympico. Pretty darn good, mate. And yeah. One other so thing- I, yeah, go oh, for it. Well, no, we're talking about W League, mate. It's as if you don't read the run sheet. But I've put in mind that Jada Wyman had an absolute ripper performance in that entire game. And that's why I'm not a big fan of the Olympico because I just don't think – I don't like after her performance, I just didn't want that to be the way that the game was decided was – something that could be deemed a goalkeeping mistake. And I don't think it is because it's such a crowded penalty area and it's difficult and the ball's got a bit of flight to it and it's not easy, but she had an absolute ripper of a game, Jada Wyman. She's the only reason why that game went to extra time. 
uh, just heartbreaking for her because I was watching it. I'm like, is it possible for her to be culpable for the goal that wins it for victory but also win best player because in my mind she was up there. So I thought that was – I liked her performance more than I liked the Olympico goal. She was very, very good in goal. And I just thought, you know, the Olympico – I agree, a little bit unfair on her as well, but it was just a – a crazy way to end a crazy, crazy game. I couldn't believe that it was still nil-nil at that stage as well. Mm. But uh, one other thing that I saw that I liked, mate, was the Preston Lions crowd when they were playing the Victory Youth side in NPL 3. It was absolutely fantastic. It was a packed house. Uh, you, you just love to see Preston are a club who is rejuvenated at the moment. They are just absolutely flying. Three wins from three. Uh, the goal that was scored in that game was also a banger from long range that chipped the keeper. Worth checking out that highlight as well. But Preston, I mean, there's a lot to like about what they're doing, mate. I'm hoping we get to head out there sometime soon. Absolutely do. Um, I've got a couple as well. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm really happy with the turn in winter weather that we've got. Mm. Um, so having winter weather back on our screens was just absolutely lovely. More of it all of the time. And other one, I've mentioned Jada Wyman. She was great. Um, but Aaron Kite's goal for Box Hill, that reminded me of how I, when I used to play FIFA, that absolutely reminded me of how I used to play FIFA, which was get my friend to just run out of defense with the ball, pass it into me, take a turn, have a speculative shot from distance, and then bang. Back of the net. And just act as if it's like nonchalant, like I do it all the time. So that was a real classic William Chambers FIFA goal, that one from Erin Kite. So well done, her. Yes, fantastic finish, mate. What have we got on next, mate? Tell me about it. Well, this is my arguably favourite bit, which is the bit that I pick on Branson segment. And Needs a better just- name than that. Needs a, needs no, a no, no, I mean, you know, it, is what, it, it does what it says on the box. My, I'm, so, getting, I'm going to get in touch with our HR department and go, like, <laughs> this, is, this is workplace bullying here. Yeah, yeah just uh, send, send your HR complaints to show at semipropotty.com, the email address that only you and I have access to and something will probably not get done. Anyway, yeah. Branson. Yeah. I know you're aware of it. We're heading into the Oscars. We're heading into <laughs> Oscar season. You... <laughs> Avid film buff you who thinks Pulp Fiction is a movie about two juice bars fighting against each other <laughs> knows about the Oscar season. But I've gone, there's obviously like a, a, an awards season and there's a build-up to it. So we've just had the BAFTAs and the BAFTAs are the British Film Awards. Uh, so, Bran, I'm going to give you an option here, which is these are best picture winning directors or footballers. Jeepers. Yep. So best picture winner at the BAFTAs. Or a footballer. Okay. Are you ready, Branson? I, you, I, I am. Cool. Your first choice is Hugo Gonzalez versus Guillermo del Toro. Which of those is a footballer, Branson? Hugo del- Gonzalez versus Guillermo del Toro. Gonzo's a footballer. Gonzo it wasn't even an option. Hugo Gonzalez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Gonzo. That's that's what all his mates call him in his footballing circles because he's a footballer. Jesus. Branson Gibson. Guillermo del Toro is, in fact, a BAFTA award-winning director for The Shape of Water. Well done. Hugo Gonzalez plays for Monterey as a goalkeeper. Knew that. 
Are you Googling these? I feel like you're Googling no, these. I, you would hear my keyboard. I, no, I am not. Branson. Yep. Which of these is a footballer? Peter Weir versus Jensen Weir. Well, if one of the options was Michael Weir, I would definitely take that because he is the goalkeeper. Put it in here. Put it in here because of that. I figured it would throw you a bit. Peter Weir versus Jensen Weir. So are they both related to Michael Weir? Unknown. Uh, Jensen is a... Jensen Button is a Formula One driver. Michael Weir is a footballer. They're both professional athletes. So I'm going to say that Jensen Weir, much like his namesakes, is also a professional athlete and he's indeed a footballer. Branson Gibson. Jensen Weir. Plays in midfield for Brighton and Hove Albion in the Premier League. Well done. Two for two. Wow. Let me go. Yeah, this is good. This is the best you've ever done in anything. Um. Now, I've got a bit of a <laughs> terrible a logic, a spin on, the right answer. Bit of a spin on this one for you. I've got two brothers here who are either footballers or BAFTA award-winning filmmakers. Right. Please tell me who is the footballing brother combo in this? Is it Joel and Ethan Cohen or Alexi and Greg Lallis? Well, I went. So here's my thinking. So last time I went Jensen because Jensen Bunn's an athlete and Michael Weir's an athlete. Mm-hmm. Cohen, Sasha Baron. Cohen is that Sasha Baron? Is that it? Sasha Baron. It's spelled differently. I'll give you that clue. Well, no, no, I don't care about spelling. Uh, he's an actor, so I'm going to say the first two, the Cohens, are also actors. Branson Gibson, Alexi, and Greg Lallas are brothers who represented US of A in the World Cup. Joel and Ethan Cohen are, in fact, directors. You are three from three. Branson Gibson, well done. Do you get an acceptance speech? I feel like because we're in award season, you should get an acceptance speech. Who do you want to thank for your basketball or football award? I want to thank thank you, mate, for uh, all your perseverance and all this movie knowledge that you have uh, instilled on me. despite my my logic sometimes being being questionable. Uh, I'd like to thank the Semi-Pro Potty family uh, for all their support and uh, for backing me through the, the good times and the bad and uh, to the ultimate highs that is this moment. And it is a high. Bask in the glory. But, Branson, we're going to bask in the glory of looking at next week's fixtures. Yes, but... Mate, I'm going to interrupt you because before we're going to look at next week's fixtures, we're going to take a look at tonight's fixture. South Melbourne against Berlin, we were talking about it, right? We are talking about it. There is a goal in that game. And now normally, you know, for the sake of continuity in the podcast, I would not mention the goal. However, South Melbourne are up 1-0. They scored inside the first 20 seconds of the game. It took them 18 seconds seconds from kickoff to find the back of the net. Uh, I can't find out who it is because I'm watching the game on mute <laughs> so <laughs> I can hear you so I can't find the audio and I, so I, I don't like that you've chosen me I like that you've chosen me over this though that's great yeah um, but South, South Melbourne um what a way to start your MPL W Victoria season a goal inside the first 20 seconds from that I mean you just stop playing you go yeah we're good anyway mate this break. week's fixtures tell me about them got some crackers we've got four on the Friday night Knights host Altona Magic Port Melbourne hosts Avondale, Bentley Greens hosts the Oakley Cannons, and Dandenong City hosts Green Gully. 
On Saturday, we have got three fixtures. Eastern Lions host Heidelberg United. South Melbourne Lakeside host St. Albans Saints. And Dandenong Thunder host Hume City. Um, in the NPL Women's Victoria, that is the right format, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Um, Box Hill United host Heidelberg United. Calder United host South Melbourne. And Bayside United host Alamein on Saturday afternoon. All three of those fixtures kick off around about 3 o'clock. And then on Sunday, Senior NTC, which is my new favourite name that I've already forgotten. It is FV Emerging. FV Emerging host Bulleen Lions on Sunday at 3 o'clock. And that will be the round two for NPL Women's Victoria. Branson, we had a ripper round of tipping last week. What have we gone for? I will read out the fixture. You read out what we have tipped. Knights versus Altona. We have tipped the Knights. Love that. Well done, us. Surely, surely. Port Melbourne versus Avondale. Who have we tipped? We've gone for Avondale. No drama. Got to be. Happy with that. Three points to Avondale. Yep. Um, Bentley versus Oakley. Who have we gone for? We've gone for Oakley. We're, the cannons are very good. Mm. We've, we've gone for them. That's it. Am I, do you want me to explain our tips here or do you just want me to read them out? No, just read them out, mate. It's oh, a team cool, effort. Done. I, I don't want to Sorry, take all the glory. Sort of not doing, oh, I just sort of realised I wasn't really doing either. No, I know you were reading them out. You absolutely were. Don't stress. <laughs> um, Dandy City, mate, versus Green Gully. Who have we tipped? Have we got Green Gully in that one? That's a no-brainer. Eastern Lions hosting Heidelberg United. Who have we gone for? We have gone for a draw in that Ooh. one. We think Eastern Lions will get a point from their Heidelberg United. We're still mad at them for not beating Bentley. I mean, yeah. we don't hold a grudge. No, um, they had a chance to impress us, and they are bloody well didn't. And we're uh, yeah. dealing with it in the best way that Hit we up. can. St. South Melbourne versus St. Albans Saints. South. We're tipping south. Very good call by us. Top of the table. <laughs> Dandy Thunder versus Hume City brand to round out the round. What have we got? We, we've gone for a draw in this one as well. We think this one is going to be a draw. Absolutely love that. I think we're on for seven. Like, I know that there's blind optimism everywhere we do this, but I think we're on for seven there. I think we've nailed this. Yes. And uh, just a very quick shout out. Uh, we tip six. We did out tip both my mum and my girlfriend, who, once again, uh, full disclosure, do not follow the NPL that thoroughly, but we have out-tipped both of them this week, which I think it's the first time we've out-tipped both in the same week. So that's, that's a huge. big fl- big flex it for shouldn't, us. It shouldn't be huge, but God, it is. <laughs> um, Brand, that does us for a pretty bumper episode. I mean, we've made time nicely with this one. Uh, this could have blown out with the number of games we had to follow. I'm at Chambershire on Instagram. Um, you're at Branson Gibson on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. We're at SemiProPotty on both Twitter and Instagram. We love to see what games you're going to. We love to see what kits you're wearing. We love to see anything you're doing about football. Keep us involved. Um, Keep being semi-professional. And thanks for joining us for Match Day 7 episode of the SemiProPotty. Potty.